Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So I was asked to, um, obviously, you know, we went on a mission trip, um, but I was asked to um, tell you guys a little bit about the Becks and who they are and what they do. So I'm gonna do that. So David and Lily Beck, along with their three kids, Malachi, Ellie, and Allie, oh my gosh, and Ezra joined the World Indigenous Missions back in 2015. They were trained and equipped in all aspects of the field to learn about the indigenous people and the importance of building relationships, creating a bond to successfully share the love of Christ. In 2016, they left for Wakana, Mexico to attend a intensive eight month full immersion language school. In 2017, the Lord led them to the mountains of the city of Comatan, which is about an hour and a half away from the Guatemala border, um, where they had been pastoring a small indigenous church just outside their city in a small village called, I'm going to say this wrong, <laughs> uh, Palomari. Um, they have seen much spiritual growth in the people. Not only are they pastoring, but they are serving as a parachute missionaries across Mexico. They focus, their focus is not only to train and equip leaders so they, they can be self-sustaining, but to reach and serve their communities and to strengthen the body of Christ so they can be his hands and feet extended. They have most recently planted a second church in the location of Comatan. Their future plans including, include opening a Christian school, which will be taught in English, to reach the upper class, a Bible college, and to even plant a third church in their city. The Lord has placed many things on their hearts, and their, and their prayers is to, plant, is to plant seeds of salvation in children's hearts and for the church people to be strong in the Lord. They... They know the field is ripe and that their job is to bring the harvest. Even though the Becks have been following God's plan and the calling that he has placed on their hearts to be missionaries in Mexico, that does not mean that it has been easy for them. They have faced many trials along the way, and we got to hear about all of that while we were there, including when they arrived back in Mexico back in 2016, experiencing a 8.2 earthquake on the Rector scale. Um, in Psalms 34, 17, it says, The righteous cry out, the, and the Lord hears them, and will deliver them from all their troubles. It does not mean it will happen in our timing, but rather in God's. One of the earliest challenges that they faced as new missionaries was feeling like they did not belong. Since they no longer lived in the States, it wasn't their home anymore. The people in the village were not accepting of them. The indigenous people rejected them because they were outsiders. Besides feeling like outcasts, they also struggled to find friends. If people became their friends with them, they would also risk being outcasts themselves. They were stuck in a lonely place, but in the time of waiting for God was preparing the perfect friends for them. They put their trust in the Lord and risked and risked losing their own Sorry, they put their trust in the Lord and risked losing their own standing in the community to not only become the best friends, but to follow them as well. Their sacrifices were worth it. 
they had become great they had been great friends and even became head pastors of their second plant plant church they need our continual prayers for strength protection provision and clear vision to continue to work and further the kingdom of god so that is the background on them jesse do you want to say something Hello. <clears throat> a lot of you don't know me because I go to the first service. Uh, this is the second service. So, um, but yes, uh, the missions trip was um, truly amazing. Um, just to give a little background, I went to faith school and graduated back in 2004. Uh, so the Beck family um, is uh, really on my heart as far as that's concerned because I graduated with Lily. Oh, it's not up there anymore. Um, <laughs> I graduated with Lily, so uh, and I knew David, so the Becks really uh, lay heavy on my heart um, because of things that had happened in my own church, broken promises. I walked away from the Lord. I wasn't serving uh, for years and years, um, and so uh, I started coming to this church. Um, I guess just a couple years now, maybe, and. Um, so I, the Becks came one Sunday, our last year, um, and uh, I didn't know they were coming. And so uh, it kind of started to stir things up with me, in, within me again, because like I said, I knew Lily, and uh, so the fact that she was just in the missions field and I was doing nothing, God began to stir things up in me. So uh, when the opportunity came this year, I, I was not even in a place to, to accept, but I uh, said, I'm going not even thinking that uh, they're probably not going to let me go because they know where I'm at. But um, they did, uh, and I was still working through some things, and I, I, I said I was going to bring my daughter because um, I wanted her to experience um, my heart, uh, what I had been called to do um, a long, long time ago. And so um, going to Mexico, I mean, there was so many things, you know, like I said, I didn't feel worthy enough to go. Um, I didn't feel like I was going to make a difference or uh, have any part in it, but uh, God really started to speak to my heart, and uh, going there, I just, um, you know, anxiety was taken away from me. For some reason, I didn't feel like I, w I wasn't, I didn't belong there. All of a sudden, I felt like I was going home again, because I'd been on many other missions trips, so I felt like I was going home. I didn't feel like... Uh, that it was a, a somewhere foreign to me or something to be afraid of. So God really worked that in me. And even just before we went, I mean, literally delivered me from some things, uh, some dark things that I'm not proud of, but was preparing my heart for this. So uh, going there, um, just uh, it was amazing, you know, going into the villages. And uh, we had such a tight schedule. I mean, we literally had two meetings a day. We had a, we'd go out to a village. We'd travel out there. A couple hours, you know, sometimes even three and a half hours one way, come back, maybe have 10, 15 minutes, head out to the next village. Uh, so it was long, long, long days, hard, uh, very tiring, but for some reason, we all worked through that. We all came together. Uh, it was, you know, back here, if we had had that kind of pressure on us, we would have called in sick to work, you know. We would have, oh, yeah, we're not going to make it in, you know, very late nights and everything. But, uh, you know, we were all up and ready to go and going, and it just... They're going into these villages and seeing these kids and their smiling faces and the adults and they were so accepting of us and, and just receptive 
of every everything that we had to say and um, you know and uh, it says in Mark you know 4:13 uh, you know the sower went out to sow and the sowing is God's word and and uh, we went out we, we weren't uh, sowing so to speak we were but David and Lily have been out there sowing they prepared a lot before we got there they tilled the ground they you know a lot of preparations were in place so when we came it was really pretty easy to get in and and minister and so um yeah there was just a, it was a major blessing and you know and it also says in the same scriptures the soul went out to sow and uh spread the word of god but yet then satan came in to quickly try and steal that joy from them that message that they had been given what they had felt and so um you know i pray you know we were out uh, working in the field and i pray that uh you guys would pray that the, sows, uh, the seeds that were sown and the seeds that Lily and David are still sowing, that, that wouldn't be stolen back from the people we ministered to. And uh, just ask that you pray for David and Lily because, you know, he was talking about when they got there, when they first got there, there was a, an earthquake, you know, a big earthquake. And I felt like God was saying to me when I heard that, that God was shaking that area, get, preparing them for the Lord, for them to come in and spread the word of God. And while we were there as well, we had an earthquake of 5.8, and we were on the fifth floor, and that building was just swaying back and forth, and, you know, um, just really is something to witness. But then again, I felt like he was saying that he's shaking them, shaking it again, preparing them to go in. You know, they were having all these troubles, but he's preparing them. He's preparing the hearts, and he's, he's shaking the people up. And just uh, I want to say about the one, there was a man uh, in this village that we went to, He's uh, 99 years old, almost 100 years old. He's coming up on his 100-year-old birthday, and he was still out in the, sea, in the fields, literally sowing seeds for the village. And he fell down, and he prayed, Lord, I know if I, if I lay here, I'm going to die, and nobody's going to hear me because he was way out in the fields. So he started to pray and said, Lord, help me. And the Lord picked him up off the ground. He said he did not pick himself up. The Lord picked him up off the ground. And so I just feel like, amen. <laughs> and there's a video on, uh, if you look on the Facebook of him, he, you see him in the back. I have a video, and it's up there of him dancing and doing all the moves and everything. And it was just really, uh, everything that was happening there was really great. And so um, just pray that you guys keep them in prayer and uh, keep the next missions trips in prayer. And I just thank you for the opportunity of uh, the church supporting us to go out and uh, and share that. So, awesome. thank you. Well, thank you, Jesse. Thank you for not making me cry. Um, I have literally done enough of that in two weeks to last a lifetime. But I'm sure in the next few minutes there will be a point where I do get choked up. Um, so we do have. Um, uh, a couple of slideshows. So we're going to start with um, the first one here entitled, What People Think a Missions Trip to Mexico is Like. There's beautiful scenery all around. We're all happy and smiling. The sun is shining. The beautiful churches paved with concrete. We even have a few monkeys that like to climb trees. The 
one thing that you will know is in this video, every single smile here is genuine. And that was one of the greatest things about going to Mexico and being touched. Um, this is David and Lily's uh, first church that they planted. Um, so it was awesome to experience that because last year we were not able to. Uh, of course, we found time to play some basketball. And by we, I mean the children. Uh, I have no business on a court. Um, we did make friendships that will last a lifetime, um, so that was amazing to see. Um, but the scenery is beautiful sometimes. Um, but again, we're all smiling, we're happy, we're having a great time, and we're getting to know people that we have a lot in common with other than language. wanted to take our pictures like I, I couldn't remember the first or second but you see that they came to us and they wanted to have pictures with us like there was something special about us we were just crazy Americans eating their crazy food um, that have been stuck in a van for three hours There was real food too. at it everybody seems happy we're smiling um, there's a cute little old Mexican couple there that welcomed us to their home um, but what you can't see is on the other side of that black door and that is a 33 year old boy who happens to be their son his name is Joel and he is possessed by a demon he is possessed by a demon because his father the man in the green shirt sold his soul to practice witchcraft and Joel came down with an illness, um, and he can barely speak. He can't move out of bed. And his old parents are forced to take care of him in ways that sometimes are too difficult for them. So we were invited to come to the house and pray, which you think, who would actually go and do that, knowing what is on the other side of that door? Um, but we, the five of us, felt led to, to do that. And... Ironically, um, Lily and David had a missionary uh, speak to them and let them know um, that there was going to be a miracle that happened in that village, and it was going to be around this boy. Um, so once we heard that, I really just felt led to trust that God would keep me protected from whatever was inside, but knowing that I needed to go and pray over his soul. Um, obviously, I would like to tell you that he jumped out of bed and everything was fine, but we know that's not all how God works all the time. Um, but when we were praying, um, you could tell it actually did disturb him. It made him uncomfortable. Um, at one point, he was looking towards us, and we said, Christ, and he looked away. Um, but then he kind of came back. So it was 
pretty amazing to, to actually witness, um, but to be able to be there to support his parents and to see their gratitude um, for us coming in to, to pray for him was, was really amazing. And we left there knowing that one day God will work because that's what he does. He does what he says he's going to do and he will deliver him. So it was in a weird way really amazing to, to take part in, in that. Um, so that's a little look as to what Mexico um, was like. Um, so we're gonna shift again and welcome Jordan to come up and share his awesome testimony. I mean, it was all right, but that's all right. I'm back. Miss me? <laughs> all right. Um, so um, trying to think where to start. So when I was told about this missions trip, I was very excited. It was a couple months. What was it? March, April, when you told me? Probably along there somewhere. And I was really excited. I was like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's go back to Mexico. I loved it there and loved everything that the Becks did. But this time around, as it got closer, I just was feeling very discouraged and I didn't want to go. And like three days before, I was just like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on this missions trip. Like there was so much happening. I ended up getting like an email from the school that's like, hey, by the way, three weeks, school starts. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of last minute, but it's okay. So I was just kind of really stressed, but also just the enemy was attacking a lot. I had a lot of things that just kept coming to mind that was just like, you can't do this. You're not going to be good enough to do this. How are you going to be able to do this and pour out to these people? You can't do this. So then there was a lot of struggle with thoughts and all that which then also led to like the night before and we're getting ready to pack. And I'm just like, I don't even wanna pack my bag. Like, I really just don't wanna do this. So of course I waited until the last minute. I was like, okay, God, you know what? We're gonna pack, it's obviously an attack. You'll provide, you'll make a way. So I still packed, got on the plane and even after landing, I was like, why am I here? Like, I don't understand why I am here. I don't understand what the whole purpose is. I don't want to be here. I'm not good enough for this. I just want to go home. I was like, we have 10 more days. Can we do this? <laughs> Already counting out the days. But after the first couple days of being around and doing services and all that, I was like, okay, I'm liking this. Like. It's awesome to see the huge crowds of kids and seeing them give their lives to Jesus and all that. And just seeing them happy for what they got. They were so happy to get a little candy bag. Like they'd run up and they wanted their candy and they were so happy. And I was like, if you did that to these kids, they might want more. They're gonna want something else. They're like, that's it for candy. Like, but these kids were grateful for anything that they were given. Um, so later that week, we ended up having a service at Lily and David's church, and we're praying for people in the church, and I prayed for somebody, and then like I stepped back, and I was like, okay, use me, God. I don't know what you want me to do here. I'm still not really feeling like I'm worthy of doing this. And so I'm sitting there praying, and then David comes up and prays for me. 
I'm like, okay. And then he's like, you're worthy. You were called here for a reason. You need to continue doing this and you will push through this week. And that's not going to be the only thing that God's going to use you for. So that really touched me. And like, I felt something inside of me that just obviously a spark again, that was like, okay, so I am following God's plan, but it didn't feel like it because I was listening to the lies of the enemy. And as the week went on, I mean, it got a lot better. I like services were running around dancing with the kids. It was so awesome. There was one group of kids where it was like 70, 80 kids in a room and like none of them were dancing at first as we're dancing. And one of the dances, like you have to link arms. So like as it's getting ready, like the kids are just standing there like this. So like I grabbed two kids' arms and we link. And then like, so they started doing it and then ended up after that song, all 80 kids were like running around dancing. And it was just one of those things that's like, that is why I'm here. So, I mean, it really is a life-changing experience. It really was something that I needed, something that really touched me in a way that I really needed. So thank you. So you've heard a few stories, um, but I think it's time for the second slideshow and we're calling this what Mexico is really like. <laughs> it's full of rice and beans. Beans and rice and rice and beans. Um, these were packaged and we delivered them to the adults. Um, but we started every day off with worship and a devotional within the team uh, to strengthen us. As Jordan said, we were prayed for. Not only did we pray over other people, but we prayed over each other. Um, we were just able to saturate ourselves. Um, and we were forced to give our testimonies to a group of people who didn't speak our language. Uh, talk about uncomfortable, weird, and feeling like they have no idea what you're saying. Um, it was translated, but still, you, you get that insecurity. Why? Because the enemy wants you to. He doesn't want you to tell his story. Long, long bus rides just now, anywhere you can. Chicken foot soup, it's real, it happened. And it came from a kitchen that was designed by Because <laughs> um, these are the, the, the amenities they provide. These are the roads that we walk to get people to come to service when it's 100 degrees out and the sweat is pouring all over your body. This is what the church looks like. There's dirt floors and rocks everywhere. They're covered in tarps to protect them. But we kept going and going and going. And we were forced to actually speak Spanish. Uh, their memory verse was in Spanish and just for funsies, Lily would call us up and, you know, have the American help the child say the verse. Um, even without memory, the child still didn't But um, we were put in those situations and tested to see how comfortable we could be in them. And this is the result here. People being prayed for, people giving their lives to Jesus. We were able to see in 12 services in 10 days, which was really eight. 45 people 
what Mexico is really like. We're already talking about next year's trip. So if running through an airport, like in Home Alone, praying you make your connecting flight and hoping that your luggage makes it with you, 14-hour days, lack of sleep, 100-degree heat with, I'm not even joking you, 95% humidity, packed in a van like sardines for two or more hours one way, dancing in front of crowds, learning a language that you can't speak, giving to your testimony to people who don't understand you, but having a life-changing experience all for the glory of God, then please pray about it and come and talk to one of us because we would love to pray for you if this is what God is calling you to do and have you join our team next year. So I'm sure that all of you are curious to hear my testimony um, and see if I will cry again. Um, guaranteed it will probably happen before we leave. Um, I did do enough of that in Mexico and at the first service where I promised myself I wasn't going to cry because it was on camera. Um, but my, my testimony is a little bit different um, because I, too, was struggling going on the trip. Um, I was honest with the team during one of our devotionals. They prayed over me. Um, and, and being prayed for was encouraging. But then it turned scary. Because through that prayer, God gave me a message. And it's a message that I'm supposed to deliver to you. And I'm supposed to do it today. <laughs> And I already did it once, and it's still hard. Um, but we're going to get through it. So without any further ado, da, 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 the word of God. So some of us started this trip without faith and trust like David had when he faced and defeated Goliath, or the courage that Esther had when she risked her very own life to save the Jewish people. And that was OK, because God knew that. He knew where our hearts were. But the enemy tried to discourage both the Americans and Mexicans alike. You will hear in, in all of our stories the common thread. We didn't feel worthy. He challenged us physically, mentally, emotionally, and even financially. He whispered those lies that we weren't good enough, we're not holy enough, we're going to say the wrong thing, we're going to look stupid in front of strangers, and nothing will stop an American more than looking stupid in front of a group of strangers. Well, we did it. We did it. We got on that plane anyway, feeling ill-equipped, full of self-doubt, not worthy. But God knew what he was doing when he put each and every one of us there with a specific plan and a purpose to spread his word, to tell of his great love, and to plant seeds of hope, salvation, and deliverance but most of all, to stir up the Holy Spirit and change lives all throughout Mexico, all for the glory of God. So Jesse already touched on this, um, which, all right. So first service was really crazy because there was so much confirmation to be had. The worship set list didn't know about it. What Pastor Freddie was going to say or do, no one ever knows what's happening with that. 
Jesse speaking. I didn't talk to him beforehand, but all of this has come together in a way that can only be described as having God's hands all through it, all through it. So the text that I was going to talk about, which I still am, um, is Matthew 13 and the parable of the sower. So at the beginning, like Jesse said, um, he does go out and the sower scatters the seed and we know that some of it falls along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And for me, verse 9 is the most important part of that whole thing. If we live in fear and we stay silent, how can people hear us? 2 Timothy 1.7 clearly states that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but one of power and hope and love and of sound mind. It's up to us to stop listening to the lies of the enemy and to be as bold as a roaring lion, to be strong and courageous. How many times in the Bible does God command us to do so? So for all you parents out there, I know you relate to this. He even asks us in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? It's literally like God saying, hello, didn't you hear me? Are you even listening to me? I've never said that to any of my kids ever. Well, sadly, he has to tell us this a lot. He does it again in Deuteronomy 31.6 and Isaiah 41.10, just to name a couple more instances. Now let's go back to the rest of that parable, verses 19 through 23. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This seed is sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So to compare it to real life, the seed that falls on the path is left alone. It's confused with no one to pick it up and move it where it can grow successfully. The seed that falls on the rocky ground is just left unattended and not given the chance to develop its strong roots. The seed that falls amongst the thorn is being surrounded by something that doesn't encourage growth, yet does the complete opposite and seeks to destroy it. But man, that seed that grows on good soil and it's nurtured, it's supported, it's watered, it has that has the opportunity to yield exponentially. God 
only knows the size of that harvest. So leaving those seeds out there in the bad conditions, which would be like us, not spreading the word and not checking in on people, um, doesn't seem like we're being very obedient to the great commission that God's called us to do. Don't get me wrong. We do have to have faith. I mean, absolutely imperative that the seeds will produce, but faith without works is dead. So if we do nothing to encourage the growth of this, it just falls to the wayside. We need to continuously be sowing all seeds, not just the ones that we've planted, but any seed that we can at any time God has given us the command to do so. We'll never know the size of the harvest. We'll never know when it will be. And truly, that shouldn't even matter to us because that's all God. That's his deal. That's what he does. Not us. We water. We nurture. He is the one who decides when and how much. It's about our obedience. And just one soul is worth it. So I don't know about you guys, but I know that one day I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So if you too want to hear those words, but you came into the service today lacking David's faith or Esther's courage, then I challenge you to leave here as a Gideon. When he finally cast his own fears and doubts aside, he was brave enough, he was courageous enough, but most of all, obedient enough to trust in the Lord. And he saved the Israelites from seven years of oppression just by surrendering, just by being faithful. So imagine what God can do through each one of you if you would just take that step or even yet a leap of faith and surrender your will to him. It's, it's amazing what, what he can do. Worship team, if you want to come up. This whole trip was just so inspiring and it's so hard to really even put into words what it did to change our hearts. And not just the four of us who went, but the whole group, Mexicans and Americans and the bonds that we made and how we were able to communicate with translators, but also our phone apps and just the common sense that God is working in our lives. It was just incredibly amazing. So what do we need to do now going forward? Because we don't have to go to Mexico to sow seeds. We can do that right here in Rochester, New Hampshire. We can do that at your house, on your street, in your neighborhoods. You don't have to get a passport and leave the country. You just need to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Because the only time that silence is a good thing is when you are quiet and you're listening to him to reveal his will for your life. Let me say that again. The only time that we should stay silent is when we are waiting for clear direction from God as to his plan for our lives. So saturate yourself in his word and be obedient to his commands. But most importantly, you need to get up every day and put on the full armor of God because there is a battle, but that battle will be won. 
and it will all be for his honor and his glory to advance his kingdom. So as the worship team closes us out in one last song, I'm gonna encourage all of you to come up here to the altar, surrender your life to him, to his will for you, because we would love to pray for you. If you need prayer over your life, if you need clear direction from him and you just don't feel like you're receiving it, if you need the courage to do what he's already called you to do, he has already paved the way for you. He has given you everything that you need to be successful. Then come up here and let us pray for you so that you can do amazing things right here in New Hampshire for his glory.